Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, do you know about Secret Menu? It's the subscription tier of the A Thing or Two newsletter that goes deep. Shopping guides, market roundups, answers to reader questions, and a whole bunch of resources we swear by. Secret Menu subscribers receive an exclusive newsletter every Thursday and access to an archive of all of our content, even Monday newsletters dating back to 2012. It's four bucks a month and you can cancel anytime. Sign up at a thing or two hq.com. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. Erica, I can't believe how many messages we've been getting lately about nail manicures, nail polish. Yeah. And like people love like nail polishes people love, which I feel like I haven't heard that much in a long time. We got one voicemail from someone explaining this new strategy that has brought her a lot of joy, which is every time she goes to the nail salon, she just moves through the rainbow so that she doesn't have the sort of decision paralysis of what nail polish color she's getting. One week she picks from the reds, the next week she picks from the oranges, and so on, which, God bless, I really just stay in my lane. I stay with one color, or or, or it's just always reds, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. in a couple years I'll change it and I'll go back to pale pinks and neutrals. Every once in a while I try a true neutral and I regret it, but I have to do it like every couple months just to remember. I forget how <laughs> that much that's I not do. what you yeah. want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're very committed to gels, but you're also contending basically like are gels bad for us? Question mark, question mark. Yeah, I mean, probably they are. I think all this stuff is bad for you. It It is like putting paint on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And in this particular instance of gels, it's putting paint and then hardening it with a UV light. Yeah, no, it's not good. I've always known it wasn't good. And then (laughs) a report came out that said gel manicures may cause DNA damage and mutation in human cells. It didn't DNA damage. Just love that terminology. (laughs) And it doesn't say it causes cancer, but I feel like my basic understanding of cancer is that it's Mutations. Yeah. I took a lot of comfort in the fact that Uche Blackstock, who is this doctor that I follow on Instagram, who was really vocal around COVID and vaccines, and she was like, "I'm not giving up my gel manicures." And I was like, "Okay, if Uche's not, I I don't have to <laughs> I either." Also pass. Great, great, but great. she is like me wearing special UV protective gloves. What I use is these things called Manny gloves. 
I'm sure there's other brands that make them. I bought them from M-A-N-I-G-L-O-V-Z.com. V-Z, a classic combination of letters. They're just fingerless gloves, but they're made out of this protective material so that you don't, you know, get whatever cell mutation. You could be a desperately seeking Susan Mm -hmm. character Mm -hmm. for Halloween. You're like, while on your way. Yes. And you're done. (laughs) Particularly because I got the floral pattern, which I just felt like they were already so ridiculous that getting them in a solid color wasn't going to like help it feel chic. Not that I'm looking (laughs) to feel so chic at this moment. As you're like putting your hands in the dryer. Exactly. I have to say, though, I do think that this could be a really good opportunity for branded merch or just brands putting their spin on something. Like, I love a striped pair of these from Cool. I would be totally fine with getting these at a conference with some random brand's logo on it just to have an extra pair it, it laying does around. Like BeautyCon should be going hard at this. That's what I think. Like, it's a type of thing where... I'd be totally fine with having some merch Manny gloves, basically. I also do gel pedicures, but I have not invested in a pedicure sock, although they probably exist. They're like toe socks with the toes cut off. That's what I imagine. Yeah, totally, totally. I just, my thing is that I really like having manicures or I like having manicured nails and the non-gel stuff just has always chipped in immediately for me because I, one, I'm not careful, but two, my nail beds, you know how yours like curved out? Like you have like a sloped nail bed sort of. Yeah. You, no one's looked at my nail beds more than, more than you. You have a beautiful nail bed. Thank you so much. Like you do, I think you have spent more time with them than I have. I need to. Well, you take them, them for granted because you were I t- that's, them. I, I, I own them. Yeah. And my mine. nail bed sort of just goes straight out so that any time I do something, my nail gets bumped. I just get chips immediately. So the gel solves that. I also just like that the gel has a little bit of lift and that it's super shiny. And I have to say the other thing a about A little the bit lift, of lift. Okay. Yeah. Because it sits up on top of your nail more. It's it, like, it's yeah. thicker. When you read about nail products- I've never had a gel. I've never had gel. Well, ever. when you read about nail products that claim to mimic gels, they always talk about the lift. I'm pretty sure Sarah Gibson Tuttle, the founder of Olive and June, is the one who introduced me to the idea of lift because we were also debating which was the best gel brand. But there's a little bit of lift, which I find It's like a platform polish. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But this is what the lift does also. It protects my cuticles. My cuticles are constantly peeling and bleeding and gross. They just always have been. And something about the way the gel sits, it sort of like stops your... It it protects your cuticles, I'm going to put out there. And I'm never going to be... I'm never going to be like a, a habitual cuticle oil user. That just feels like another thing to add to the list with, you know, rinsing my silicone products and vinegar. I'm just not going to do it. I'm at, There's too much that's asked of me. I think that my cuticles peel less because I don't get manicures anymore. Mm. I've had peeling cuticles since I was a child. Since you were a child. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. My cuticles are totally fucked in other ways, especially mm-hmm. my poor thumb that I pick it all the time. But I, yeah, but whenever I get a manicure and they get pushed back or mm. God forbid cut, mm-hmm. then they just like peel like crazy. Yeah, because I think it's like they've been reminded that that's an option, that coming off <laughs> is like a thing that they can do. And they've so they just trained. really lean into yeah, it. Exactly. I have stopped getting manicures mm-hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic. And I went back once like a year, year and a half ago to be like, maybe, maybe, maybe Maybe this was just a pandemic thing. Maybe I just like, maybe it was like not getting my hair cut where you're just like, well, what, you know, (laughs) we're not going outside. So we don't need to. But I just, I was like, I really don't like it. I like, it hurts. I hate watching. Mm. I don't find anything about the experience relaxing or like, it doesn't feel like a treat at all. The experience itself is not a treat for me. Having freshly done nails is a treat for me. I will listen to a podcast. I will read a book. I'll listen to a book. 
the thing that I don't like about it is that I just always I never feel great about it as a consumer where I'm like, yeah, I don't know yeah, how yeah, these yeah. people are being treated. I don't know how they're being compensated. I tip minimum of 30 percent, usually more. I think I have just decided that I don't care enough or like it's not the thing for me that like yes. does it. I do really like having pedicure, but I like, again, hate the experience of getting it done. And so my pitch to you is basically the like day long home pedicure, which Mm. just means that like on a Monday or a Tuesday when I know I'm not going to be running around and whatever, I will like put on a base coat in the morning. And then when I have a break at some point, I'll put on a coat of polish. And then when Mm -hmm. I have another break, a second coat. And then so that it like all has plenty of time to dry, not trying to rush through this process, Mm -hmm. like whatever. And it all takes like six minutes at a time. It's not also sitting down for 45 minutes and being like, is it dry enough for me to put a coat on? Or is it dry enough for me to like get out the remover and clean this or whatever? You know what I have to say that as much as I don't love the experience of having my nails done. I dislike trying to do them myself even more. I find yeah. no satisfaction. I think some people find it really meditative. Some people love it. Like we have one of Cam's babysitters comes over every time with a full on. It's not caboodle. a caboodle, but it yeah, might yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah she's yeah. always got a different nail color on and you can tell it's a hobby. She loves it. And it is actually, she told me it's a it was a pandemic hobby that she started as that she finds really soothing. I don't find it soothing at all, which mm-hmm. is, I think, why I like it at, at six minutes at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like, I just I want it to be done, mm-hmm. but I like don't want to fit for it to feel like the thing I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on my nails, when I do paint, I do like a single coat of something mm-hmm. clear or like slightly shimmery. So the like slightly shimmery things I like are the olive and June cosmic. And then people also really like the pleasing, i.e. the Harry Styles, Mm -hmm. pearly tops, which is a pearlescent top coat Mm. situation. I mean, people love this pleasing line. People love this pleasing line. And then you also do Dior Glow, right? Yeah, which is like just pink tinted, Mm, but it's like a clear pink. No, that's I like that. I I like when you do that. I like (laughs) it's a good one. It's like almost yeah. a buffed nail kind of like yeah. effect for sure, yeah. which is my real preferred situation. But that also sometimes feels like too much effort and work. Are you still in Nail Teaks household? Oh, we're super in Nail Teaks mm-hmm. household. Thomas more yeah. than me, for sure. Nail Teaks is an amazing product if you do want to keep your nails healthy and if you want to grow them and just like make them stronger. It's it's basically like a protein exactly. thing. It yeah. adds pro- it's a nail polish. That, it's a clear nail polish that adds protein to your nails. It is wildly effective. It works really quickly. And if you're a nail biter or like a cuticle biter, it's also good for that. Just, you know, disincentivizing. I used to use it a lot more, especially when I liked the idea of having long nails. I have moved into a chapter in my life where the minute my nail grows any longer than like the extent or even just like- Oh, Claire, same. Like every two weeks I have to like cut them because it drives me I'm at every week. I'm at every week. I can't focus. I can't do anything. I feel- I feel not clean. They're totally. <laughs> I I, it also just I, I makes me pick more if I have any yes. nail at all. Like it's just it's bad. I don't know when this happened and or why it happened because as a kid I was desperate for long nails. I grew up in the eighties. You know. I just, yeah. Like, totally. It, it, and then now I tr- it's it's a ick for me. It, no, it's a totally, weird thing. totally. And I'm not crazy about other hygiene things, but that I cannot have long nails. And when Cam has long nails, I'm like, you get over here. We are not doing this. There's something it is just like it. it's like a sensory thing or something. Mm-hmm. I 
I have two nieces who complain that their like socks are too tight. And I feel like that's like the equivalent. They'll be like, too tight, yeah. too tight. And this mm-hmm. feels like that where I'm like, no, it's too long. It's too, it, yeah. no, it's like uncomfortable. I always cut them before I get my nails done. And then the, the women at the nail salon are like, you cut these way too short. What are we supposed to do? And Or they'll be like, can we just file, not cut? And I'm like, no, cut them shorter. And they're like, we can't even paint this. There's nothing left. But uh, I stumps. insist. Stumps. Yeah. Like a stump. Thank you so much to Hero Bread for sponsoring today's episode. You know, bread gets a very bad rap. People get Mm. very scared of bread. It's like, I would say, you know, orthorexia's biggest villain is bread. Um, (laughs) And the thing about it is that bread is not inherently bad, but I think it does just make some people feel kind of like sluggish or icky because a lot of it has a lot of sugar in it or just like a ton of carbs. Well, even just like the idea of like, don't even bring me the bread basket because right. I eat the whole thing. So mm-hmm. like, keep it away from my table. Don't do it. You know, yeah. in a restaurant, I feel like that was a real like early aughts, late nineties mm, move totally. maneuver. Yeah. But I feel like Hero Bread is cracking it because they figured out how to make very good very great bread that is real bread. It just has less sugar, less carbs, and doesn't make you feel quite so icky and and like, you know, bloated and sluggish. And it, I have to say the products are really nice. It's They've got tortillas. They've got croissants. They've got white bread. They've got seeded bread. It's good. I use it all of the time in my family. It's just also just like fluffy. It's just that like whole mm-hmm. fluffy thing that I feel like people want. So it has that sense of like, oh, this is like what I want my peanut butter and jelly sandwich on, uh, which is like the highest bar, I think, for a sandwich bread. It is truly the texture of bread that we were never allowed to have in my house. Ever. Claire, same. This is one of the few. This is one of those things we had uh, yeah. in common as children. Yes. Exclusively for a thing or two listeners, Hero Bread is offering a special 10% off your first order with the code a thing or two at hero.co. Again, the code is a thing or two for 10% off your first order of Hero Bread. Be sure to check out the podcast description for more information. Thank you so much to Shopify for sponsoring today's show. There was a period of time, Claire, when you and I used to get like a bunch of emails from people who were starting businesses that would be Mm. like, what e-commerce platform should I use? What do you Mm -hmm. think of this? What have you heard of this? How are people thinking about this? Like blah, 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 blah. Always quizzing for the pros and cons of things. And we would always tell them Shopify is what we've used since the beginning of kind days. Like this is the way to go. But then it just got to a point where no one would email anymore because everybody just knew that the answer was Shopify. Like it was just like a no longer a question. It's It's so true. A revelation, right? It's very impressive, honestly. That's because Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. They simplify selling online and in person. This is the other thing, by the way, and the reason everybody does it because it is so seamless to do it. I mean, there's lots of reasons everybody does it, but it is so seamless between a brick and mortar space and your your online space, you know, your your website, your I believe is what they call yeah. online spaces. But <laughs> they've really figured it out across all the things, which used to be such a headache before Shopify existed. You would pay so much money for these crazy systems to reconcile and everything. Inter- integrations, integrations. Oh my God, it was a mess. But they've got it all. They even let you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. It is packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth and gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash a thing or two, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash a thing or two. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, 
I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. The thing that I think people complain about when they're when they think about painting their nails at home or people who are intimidated by it, they're like, I don't have a steady enough hand or I do a sloppy job or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is, it's like all about the cleanup and not being afraid of polish on skin and yes. then just like going back in there either. Olive and June sells like one a little brush that you can dip into the mm-hmm. polish remover that feels very fancy. Or I just like pull the cotton off the head of a Q-tip and use. That's smart just what's left, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not the cotton, kind of mimicking the orange stick situation Mm -hmm. at a nail salon. Now that I have Olive and June tools, I really like having them. It feels like the sort of thing that makes a difference where you're like, right, it's like maybe not the process of getting the manicure, but actually having a good nail clipper or like a good file or a good whatever. Oh, their stuff is a total game changer if you want to do it at home. I do think it opens up a world of possibility. A world of possibility. I totally do think totally recently on our our weekly Instagram roundup asking people to submit their own thingies somebody talked about dazzle dry and I have to know more I have to try it I feel like multiple people responded being like me too this (laughs) thing's the best I just I feel like maybe it could be the thing that moves me away from my gel manicure addiction because it's apparently it's it's a non performance polish and five minutes to worry free nails. Apparently it it dries immediately because this is my other thing besides the chipping on regular manicures to actually get it dry takes I'm sorry hours. It's just ridiculous. I I also have Olive and June dry drops. And does Um, do they work? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Great. I mean, this is like not Olive and June's fun, but their stuff is just so good and useful and it makes a really big difference when you have that stuff. I would try that. And then the other thing somebody wrote into our Instagram thingies roundup about is this thing called Kerr Nail Concealer, which I was like, excuse me, a nail concealer? But then you were like, this is just pale nail polish. Like, I can't tell the difference between this and Essie Ballet slippers. It is hard mm. for me to gauge if this is just a really smart rebrand of sheer polish or if it's something else entirely. So if you're someone who uses this and swears by it, I want to know, like, what it actually <laughs> does. A glow enhancer for nails that combines color and care. A wash of pink adds a healthy-looking glow. Porcelain extract and optical brighteners instantly filter out discoloration for a flawless finish. You know who are... The smartest minds of our generation are working as copywriters and beauty product companies. <laughs> it's like nuts to me. The words here, the porcelain, filter, the finish, porcelain. the glow, all of it. I'm like, and it's not just SEO. It's like, these are what people want. If you're not using the word filter in the product description of your beauty product, what are you doing? Because apparently- Honestly, what, what, this is what we want. We want filters. We live yeah. in a world of filters. Yeah. Nail concealer. The other thing about a nail concealer is, I, I suppose it's probably hiding the dirt under your nails, which is convenient. Well, but isn't S isn't a coat of ballet slippers? It's not the same. Maybe yeah. maybe this is like nail teaks with color. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, don't know. I, don't I think I just have this thing in my head, as a lot of us do, of you know, clean nails are part say of this, something about you. Say something about. I mean, I can remember in college when they would train you to interview for internships and stuff. And what I get you should mad do. about this. Keep going. Yeah. No, yeah, it, yeah. it's no, insane. Yeah, yeah. they yeah, would yeah, yeah. say have manicured nails. Yeah, no, it's insane. And that was part of the job interview The presentation process. of like have a like mm-hmm. stupid full cheap suit that looks dumpy on you and yeah. then have manicured nails. 
Yeah. And smooth hair. (laughs) Yeah. No, all of it. All of it. Which brings us to our next topic, mess. It feels very tied into this idea of the morality of it all. What it says about you to have a messy house or a clean house. What it says about you to have polished nails. Yes. The like self-presentation of it all. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get into this, but because there's plenty of other reasons why I like having my nails done, but I, it is for sure tied to a sense of like what it says about me, what it projects about me. If somebody sees that I have done nails, it just, I assume that I am projecting a sense of having it together that apparently, yeah, you know, totally, 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 <laughs> that is, totally. That is odd. You have your shit together. You're like yeah. nails are not chipped as if that, if, as right. if those two things actually correlate in really, real life. And yeah, yeah. It, and it's really hard to get away from those things. In thinking about mass, you were just thinking about how we've been living in this very clean, minimalist white box era. And it always, it reminds me of this, like one of my favorite episodes of Ab Fab called New Best Friend. And it's this episode from 1994. And basically Ed is having flashbacks of seeing this friend of hers who lived in this like actual white box mm-hmm. and they bring over a bottle of red wine and they like there's nowhere in the pl- this apartment to put the bottle of red wine like they walk around for like three minutes looking for a place yeah. to put this that wouldn't be a problem because it's red wine in a white space and like what <laughs> what were you doing so the friend's coming over and she's obsessed with trying to make her house which is like not tidy mm-hmm. into this like minimalist enclave so that she doesn't embarrass herself in front of this friend and she's like surfaces darling where have my surfaces gone I just want clean lines and surfaces I don't want things on places things on places and I don't want things on places is where mm-hmm. we've been Yeah. No, I had an ex-boyfriend who used to always talk about clean and clear horizontal surfaces. Clean horizontal (laughs) surfaces. That was his thing. He like No things on places for him. It's funny because in thinking about this, it struck me that a big reason that a lot of people like to have clean spaces or claim that they like to have clean spaces is the sort of like clarity of mind, right? Yeah. And that, you know, they can't operate in a messy space and clean dust, clean mind. And I think there's something to that. And I feel that way to an extent for sure. But then I started to question, I was like, is that the excuse that I make up for myself? Is that the orthorexia of cleanliness where you're totally. like, I feel better when I don't have sugar. I feel better when I don't have gluten. And then you talk yourself into the space that it's not about weight loss. It's about feeling better. It's not about, you know, just needing to be clean for the sake of presentation. It's it's about the, the clarity of mind. I don't know. It's impossible to extricate all of these things. I do like a clean space. I am not naturally a clean person. I throw my shit everywhere. I am that person in our family who's always complaining about it being messy, but I am the greatest offender of them all. So this newsletter called Four Scale wrote this piece about exquisite chaos that basically that like talks about this idea, mm-hmm. this like rejection of this like messy yeah. home, messy mind thing, because they cited this 2013 study by the University of Minnesota. It said participants in the messy room generated the same number of ideas for new uses as their clean room counterparts, but their ideas were rated as more interesting and creative when evaluated by impartial judges. Well, I also think there's something to you know, we all know that feeling of being like, well, I have to clean first and before I start. And that's before really I could possibly like sit down and yeah. do the thing. Yeah. That's just yeah, procrastination. Yeah, yeah. And it's truly just a way of making yourself feel productive or virtuous. It is so complex psychologically, yeah. especially depending on what generation you come from or what culture you come from. This came from this book, All Joy and No Fun, The Paradox of Modern Parenthood by Jennifer Senior. But I'll never forget, she talks about how we used to call mothers who did not have nine to five jobs, housewives, and now we call them stay-at-home mothers. And that is because it used to be that you they considered the primary responsibility keeping house, like keeping yeah, clean, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was a different, and, and now it's about raising the kids, right? And yep. you're also expected to have a clean home. It's just, 
Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Can we talk about why things have gotten so messy? Yes. You know, I think all like all tre- design trends, these things are cyclical, and that's always th- a for sure that. For sure yeah. that. I mean, uh, Life Changing Magic by Marie Kondo came out in the U.S. in 2014. So we are sort of like hitting the end of a 10-year cycle of that was the vibe. Like yeah. rolling your socks. Well, and there have been yeah. all these trend pieces. And one of the pegs for a lot of them is that Marie Kondo, now that she has a couple kids, is, has admitted that her house is messy too. Our personal Marie Kondo Tova, a.k.a. Tidy Tova, I'll never forget when she first got pregnant and she was really sick in her first trimester. She was like, Claire, I never understood why people would just throw their coats on the couch when they got home. I just never understood, like, why aren't you just hanging it up? Why aren't you just hanging it up? And she's like, and for the first time, because I'm just so exhausted and I feel like shit all the time, I get it. And it's been this, like, eye-opening experience for me. And it, and I remember her telling me that, me just being like, am I just tired all the time? Like, is that why I'm messy? <laughs> I mean, and I do think a lot of my messiness come is a result of laziness, but that then you also just get into priorities, you know? Like, But yeah, that was a real revelation. I, You know, both Tova and Marie Kondo now have kids, and they're like, I sort of understand what 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 people are doing. But I have to say Marie Kondo, and I love that book, and I, yeah. I love her, but a big part of the narrative of her sort of strategy and system is that this stuff impacts you psychologically, and you will psychologically be better off if you are keeping a tidy home. And I think for some people that is true, and maybe for some people it's less true, or it's, well, it's just, also it's like everybody's a bit different. Everybody's yeah. different too. Well, like everybody's like, brain performs in different ways or is suited to different environments. And some people do need to have like white walls in order mm-hmm. to focus. And some people don't. When we all just have different priorities, right? It's like maybe the cleanliness helps you, but something else helps you more. So that's where you yeah. spend your time and your money. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, most yeah, shocking yeah. thing to me when TikTok became a thing and just when Gen Z's started getting more on social media was their messy rooms. I mean, so messy. They so all messy. have the messiest rooms, which does really feel like a reaction to the millennial boredom and sad beige and all of that. Well, but also we were seeing their parents' sad beige homes. Yeah. So it was also a rejection of some of that too. I don't know. There's also this this Instagram account I keep seeing reposted called official sad beige that is just about like all the sad beige children who are the you know the offspring of sad beige parents the woman behind it said sad beige is anything neutral tone that had joy siphoned out of it most of what i focus on are marketing images of children's toys and clothing that are somber and doleful as though by playing with these toys or donning these clothes the children become small proust scholars devoid of joy mouths downturned and laughter a distant memory what an incredible quote <laughs> it's really funny and i I respect it and I love it. And I'm also like sad beige happened as a reaction to parents being like, do I have to sacrifice my entire aesthetic and service of my children's in service of Fisher Price? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I do like that this idea of are we afraid to live? Are we afraid to live and have feelings? Are we afraid Mm -hmm. of joy? All of it. Yeah. Fascinating. The other thing that I've been seeing a lot of on TikTok is clean up with me, which is like a subgenre of get ready with me where people have these just like maniacally messy houses and they're like, watch me clean it up. And it's a little it's a cross section of get ready with me and process and ASMR and then also just mental health. I am also interested in the gender dynamics of all of this. And I, I don't know why, you know, you have those sort of pop culture moments that stick in your head forever. I think I felt seen, which is why I remember this, but I remember this interview with Hugh Grant when he was dating Elizabeth Hurley, where he's like, you know, they always say that men are the messy one, but when I moved in with Elizabeth, I couldn't believe how messy she was. I think one of the things you hear a lot about, like, 
people trying to get some parity when it comes to sharing the housework is that it doesn't work out because there are differing standards of cleanliness. So you try to like in, in hetero relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Totally. I was just going to say my my relationship's the opposite. I'm the tidier one for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who's like, why, like things on places, like why Mm -hmm. do we have all these books over here? Like, why is there a stack of nine books like next to your nightstand in addition to the ones on your nightstand? Are Mm -hmm. you kidding me? Why is the mail on the counter? Why, why, why? And he's the one who gets in the shower, like in before he showers, like scrubs it and is like way cleaner than I am in that way. But I think the thing with women is that I want to say about messiness. And it's interesting because we'll get to this, but there's this woman, Molly Soda, who coined the term girl clutter as part of this like messy aesthetic. Girl clutter exists because girls, women feel pressured to have so much fucking shit to keep up. It's the skincare products. It's the clothes. It's the shoes. That is why you have these insane bathroom counters because you feel pressured to have a seven step skincare routine. And that takes up a lot of space. Like, totally. I, I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of interesting gender dynamics at play here when with all with this whole conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can we talk about cluster core? Yeah. So cluster core, I, there's several trend pieces on this, but Better Homes and Gardens says, think of cluster core as a celebration of your stuff. Instead of hiding away your objects and paraphernalia, cluster core encourages you to show them off and enjoy them by arranging them in clusters. A cluster of nail polish on a vanity, for example, highlights your taste and color and your appreciation for nail art. A cluster of mugs on the counter both shows off your collection and tells visitors that you are someone who knows their tea. A blend of intentional styling and clutter celebration, cluster core or clustering, which we'll call the act of establishing cluster core. Oh my God. Okay. Spotlights you and your things. Do you know what this immediately brought to mind for me? Huh. The, the Covetor. Yeah, totally. Totally. Which was totally. a yeah. style blog in 2010s that was just, I think, yeah, still around. Still around. Um, but, but like super yeah. prominent then. Yeah. Super yeah, influential yeah. then that photographed people in their homes. And there were there were a lot there was lots of cluster core happening in that aesthetic. And just like little tchotchkes that say mm-hmm. something about you and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think there's so much home styling advice these days that is basically like just put a tray under it. <laughs> yes. It's to like put a bird on it yeah. of interior styling. Of yeah. You have a bunch of little things on a table and they look like kind of a mess and they feel like, what am I going to do with them? And you just put a tray under them. They all of a sudden look like <laughs> a thing. Right. right. Like, right. yeah. 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 It reminds me of that Rachel Toshjohn conversation we were having about collections of things. Mm-hmm. And I always think of this this home tour that was, that originally was on Design Sponge, RIP, featuring the home. I think it was the most popular home tour on Design wow. Sponge ever, featuring friend of the pod, Ruman Alam, and his husband, David Land's home. And they have this collection of George Washington paintings hanging in their dining room. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I maybe like three dozen of them or something in this idea that, yeah, which is a lot, but it's kind of like this very more is more like in a thoughtful and interesting Mm -hmm. way. It's like a survey of George Washington paintings. And it's like the thing that they just, you know, get, and it's not mess by any Mm -hmm. stretch. It's just like this embrace of things, Mm -hmm. but it's not like, oh, we put everything away behind walls and we build like these cabinets so you can't see anything ever, which is like the Kardashian aesthetic. I mean, the Kardashian aesthetic of it all is really, I think, has has ushered in this reactionary phase <laughs> because yeah. they truly just don't have anything, which, you know, makes it easy for everybody to project themselves onto it. But you also, like, know they have so much stuff. So much. Yeah, truly. Who has more stuff? I mean, and, you know, Sex in the City is having its its moment and its renaissance, and that was a thing. You know, you could see all Carrie's stuff. 
Yes. It's the opposite. You could always see all Carrie, all, yeah. all of Carrie's stuff. Another home tour that people were really into was this Catherine Newman home tour on a cup of Joe. There are piles of clothes on a chair in one photo. And the comments on this are just like people going like crazy for the fact that this just looks very lived in mm-hmm. and it's not perfectly styled. And it feels like you want to like hang out in this home because right. it's, it doesn't feel like a doctor's office. Yeah. I mean, I have to say I'm someone who I am always self-conscious of my mess when people come over. Totally. Despite Me the too. fact that when I go over to other people's house, if their house is a mess, I'm just like, they have more important things to care about. That is how I read it. It doesn't make me uncomfortable at all to go over to other people's messy homes. Yeah. And I do think it projects a certain comfortability with your own priorities <laughs> when yeah. you see that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There have been a couple of articles that have come out recently on this topic that had different take, like different and interesting takeaways. So one, The Cut had a piece called What If You Just Didn't Clean That Up by Catherine Jezzer Morton. And it talks a lot about basically like who gets to be messy. And this bit was good. Every definition of what clean looks like might differ, but what clean means, what it says about a person becomes undeniable the more you ask what cleanliness is. Like Tracy McMillan Cottom's recent writing about blonde clean is mapped to status. Some people get to be messy and other people don't. Which is interesting because the two TikTok home tours that have contributed greatly to this conversation are Julia Fox's and Alix Earl, who showed their incredibly messy apartments. And there's the same article. She says, who else gets to be messy? Anyone considered brilliant in their field? Hot 23-year-old white girls. Mess permission is absolutely linked to race and class. And I don't think hot people of color are granted the same mess pass as hot white people. Obviously, unbrilliant, unhot people of all races are shit out of luck with regards to mess. And poor people, fetch your brooms. Charming bachelors, newly divorced dads, yes. Newly divorced moms, not sure about them, but I'm leaning toward no. I think this is a really important point. It's, yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's so important. There's right. also this New York Times story called This Trend is a Mess by Callie Holterman. And it surfaced an incredible TikTok that we were just both very into. Alix Earl, who is like the new hot girl influencer, I guess. She, her apartment was wild. But like she's in college. I think she's like of college or recently called graduated college age. Let's see. Alix Earl age. 22-year-old college senior at the University of Miami. I... It immediately reminded me of my college apartment, which me too. I never knew how disgusting my college apartment was until my senior year when I and my roommate both started dating older guys who had graduated and they came over and they were like, what the fuck? You live Why? here. What you is live this here. that you are living in? I really didn't know. I was like, I love this place. The string lights, the like gauzy curtains. This is cool. What's not to like? <laughs> What's not to like? No, she, it's like in doing this home tour, she goes into the basement and she's like, and this is like this and it's like storage. And they're just like shoeboxes like open and strewn about, you know, in that way that you're like, yes, this feels exactly like college. And then there is a bathroom with a toilet that she says you can't sit on it too hard because the seat <laughs> is rickety. And that just felt like every college apartment. It's so incredibly college. It is. It was so evocative. She also, I haven't been given any reason to, to like this person. I don't follow her. So I don't, act, I'm not in a place, a position to judge, but I will say the fact that they had, they put a house for their cockroach by the trash can did make me like her more. Yeah. 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 Casa no, totally. de Cucaracha. Casa de Cucaracha. Yeah, yeah. No, it did feel like there was, she was super in on the, in on it. 
<laughs> was funny. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. As you were saying before that, that all of this, that like the kids, like the teen messy bedroom thing mm-hmm. is just such like teen bedroom aesthetic is such mm-hmm. a thing. Yes. And I feel like we haven't had access to it that much recently mm-hmm. because of Instagram. Like I, yes. I don't, at least like in the way that I interact with yeah. well. I don't follow teenagers on Instagram because that would not be appropriate for the most mm-hmm. part. TikTok is like a totally different world. But in the 90s, I feel like there was just more imagery yeah. of messy yeah. teen bedroom or mm-hmm. something. And there's this book called In My Room, Teenagers in Their Bedrooms by Adrian Salinger with photos from the early 90s where you get that like some of it's just like mess flowing over from the trash can next to very thoughtfully tacked up magazine tears and tickets and yes. whatever and piles of clothes and just this sense of identity that right. comes with it. I yeah. mean, yes, I do think teenage girls probably are the originators of cluster core for sure, because you are like <laughs> this. I have no other way of telling you who I am. I feel so I, I feel I only have this bedroom. Yeah, right. I, I only I can only or this like half of this bedroom or whatever it is or writing on the outside of my notebooks in my backpack. You know, there's just this yes. like extreme desire to t- to tell the world who you are. And this is the way you can do it because you feel like yes. you can't express it in other ways. Right. This did make me feel like that there were like two camps of of I'm not going to clean any at this point. So there's like the Gen X millennial. How the fuck are we supposed to keep up? Like, I can't possibly mm-hmm. stay on top of this. I have other shit to do. And I'm deeming that stuff more important. And then the Gen Z and maybe Julia Fox of it all being like, isn't this cute? This isn't my mess so adorable. (laughs) Like, aren't you charmed by this vibe? Right. There's also this great episode of Terrible Thanks for Asking, which is Nora McInerney's podcast. And she interviews this woman, Casey Davis, who wrote this book, How to Keep House While Drowning, A Gentle Approach to Cleaning and Organizing. And the sort of this one's very active on TikTok. She's a therapist and she had a baby during the pandemic and just could not keep her house clean or herself clean or anything and would TikTok about it and started to reflect upon this inextricable link of people's sense of self-worth and morality and just being a good person as it related to their clean home. And so this is a sort of self-help book of like, it doesn't make you a bad person that your house is messy. You don't have to make a big deal of it, but you do deserve a clean home. You do deserve a clean space. And here is how to sort of do it step by step, because I think her point is part of what makes it really hard for people when things get really messy is it becomes this like psychological thing to overcome rather than just cleaning your house. She even drills down a little more besides just like you deserve a clean home to like you deserve to have certain things tidy and clean that improve the functionality of your life. Is that, is that fair? I mean, I'm glad you're drilling into this because the message that I am sort of taking away from all of yeah. these trend pieces and this movement in general is there's nothing wrong with having a messy house, right? right? Period. But what I thought was interesting about this, and this person, Casey Davis, is certainly at the forefront of this, is she's still saying the goal is to have a clean house. And there, it felt like there was, I, I, I didn't, think there was anything contradictory in what she says, but I thought that the, those two messages are a bit at odds with. Yeah, each yeah, other. yeah, 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 yeah. I guess. For, I, OK, I think I heard it as it basically a statement around functionality versus morality. Your house should be clean as it needs to be in so that it is functional to you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so maybe like for you, mopping is not in the picture right. because that's like not adding any function to your life. But for me, if the dishes aren't done at night and I don't have a clean French press in the morning, that mm-hmm. fucks me up in the head more right. than 
should. Yeah. And so that is intruding on the function of my day. Whereas my house, I feel like is very dusty in a way that I'm like, I should do better job at that. And I'm like, but but it doesn't bother. And not even like bother, like how is it affecting me? Right. Besides it, like looking a little dusty, it's not actually changing my mental state or impeding my day to day. Right. She wasn't saying like, give up on cleaning. We're not doing that anymore. Right, 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 right. No, she definitely was not. I think she was saying, of course, it's hard. And here's how to do it in a way that's manageable and that strips away some of the complexity, complex psychological stuff that's making it even harder for you. And all the self-judgment that you're throwing at yourself for being like, I can't believe I have these dishes in the sink still as if that as if that means something greater than you have dishes in the sink. Right, 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 right. Do you remember the architectural digest issue with the unmade bed? So basically there was like a moment in time where this Mm -hmm. happened and it was like, there was like a collective like publishing world gasp that there was like an unmade Mm -hmm. bed published Mm -hmm. after years of everything just being so crisp and so perfect and so whatever. Mm -hmm. And this this was was under Amy Astley. This was under Amy Astley. Oh yes, yes. I do remember that. And I, yeah. I don't like saying mean things, but I really rolled my eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. At the time. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because it yeah. feels like such yeah. a like it's a real yes. who cares. Like yes. it is a I, true mm-hmm. who cares. But, but I did really like int- I was I can't I can't find the like specific mm-hmm. instance, but I really liked there was a New York Times article from 2017 that talks about the Amy Astley reinvention of Architectural Digest. And it says The new AD owes some of its DNA to the 10-month period in 1987 when a 38-year-old British fashion editor named Anna Wintour took over House and Garden, shortened the title to HG, and appended its arm-length coverage of stately interiors by showing models romping and chins, children, children, skateboarding, unmade bed, and other revolutions. Where I was like, it just felt like really nice to be like, wow, Anna Wintour was the one pushing that forward, huh? In 1987, she was like, let's loosen things up. I mean, so that it's interesting to bring it back to what you were saying about that there used to be this aesthetic of teen girl bedrooms. And in my memory, there was I was so excited that there wasn't that much of it. And I was so excited every time it came out because I felt that you didn't see it in mainstream media that much, that you didn't see girls my age represented in media that much. And I do like I can remember every time Vogue featured a child in a fashion spread because it was like a model's offspring. I remember the Lauren Greenfield New York Times magazine story about 13 year old girls because I was like oh like I felt like we were never being shown we were never being seen you know what I maybe of giving too much credit to mm. in this Claudia Kishi's presence mm. in my life yeah. in my psyche yeah. and that was a girl who owned her messiness yes. and made it fucking cool and chic and that was like girl clutter that excellent, was excellent excellent extremely important reference extremely important reference in in this conversation. She always had a messy room and she owned it. I was thinking about how this relates to digital messiness Mm -hmm. because I think I am, I'm a really digitally messy person, Mm -hmm. like super digitally messy, thousands of browser tabs. They now have like, they're in files, which just feels like the most organized they've ever been. I drag shit to the corner of my desktop and Mm -hmm just have like a pile of 20 files mm-hmm. there. And then every so often I'll just throw them all away and then I'll wait a week or two to empty the trash, make sure I didn't need anything. <laughs> it's a really surprising thing about you because you're very organized as a person, like deeply, deeply organized. It is very unpredictable that you would be so disorganized in your inbox and everywhere else. I'm super disorganized in my inbox. Oh my but there's God, a I, system I, to it. 
right? Like there, there's a system, but it's like a system most people are like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? I am like in praise of never deleting any email you've mm-hmm. ever gotten. Why yeah. would you delete it? it I agree with it that. It can live there. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if related to this and this idea of clutter and accepting that our lives are untidy and whatever and not trying to like clean everything up, is inbox zero going to die as a result of that? Is this like chase to the bottom of inboxes and feeds <laughs> and whatever? Yeah. How does that relate? Great question. I don't know. Because it's like the tidying of an inbox. Really? This is how we're going to spend our time? Well, but that feels more related to check to like crossing things off a list to me. Is yeah. it people's sense of No, I know. Of I think people do. I yeah. think people do feel that way. I just don't yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I mean, to bring this back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago around Cal Newport, like I think that all of this is going to change. I think we're going to look back on how we used email and how we used Slack and be like, well, that was insane. And of course we were all depressed and anxious. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally. I love this. All right. We want your thoughts on this. Write in, voicemail in, Geneva in, whatever, whatever the thing is, that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ, and if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for our secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.